is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let me ask you a question. I think I should spend the next three hours talking about the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Does anybody care about the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Should I spend the next two hours talking about it? How about the next one hour? How about the next 15 minutes? What happened to Kanye West? I thought we were supposed to talk about him. I'm only bringing this up because uh, it's a very odd thing how conservatives go on radio and they, they despise the media. They despise this White House Correspondents' Dinner that I've never gone to. I've been invited twice and I would never step foot in there. And then they spend all day talking about it. And then they take that phony comedian with her hate speech, um, trashing the uh, president's staff, most of whom she's trashing are women, and play it over and over and over again, just in case he didn't hear it. We want to make sure you hear it, you see. I'm not putting anyone down. I just, it's unlistenable to me. So yes, we know the media are left-wing. We know the media hate Trump. We know that they're loathsome. We know they're part of this entire progressive movement we know all that so you don't need to hear me three hours using audio from the White House correspondents that are going on and on and on about but here's what we do need to talk about here's what we do need to talk about there's one country several but one in particular that keeps saying it wants to destroy America and that's Iran And Iran has built ICBMs. They're trying to perfect them. And Iran has wanted to build nuclear warheads to put on their ICBMs. And you don't need an ICBM to hit Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. You need an ICBM to hit Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and so forth. And uh, the Islamo-Nazis who control Tehran through corruption, through brute force, and so forth and so on, they're quite serious about what they're doing. Quite serious. And so there was a remarkable press event by the Prime Minister of Israel. You know, this isn't even really about Israel. This is about us. It's about the whole world and Israel. We have a country here, which is a rogue country, which which are ideologically jihadist, which is. And they're trying to get nukes. We have a prior president of the United States who didn't just appease them. He provided them the money to get the nukes. So he affirmatively assisted them. And his people today are running around saying the fact that Iran lied about what it was doing is more reason we need the deal. Have you ever heard anything so stupid in your life? The illogic is unbelievable. So I had to make a choice today. Do I play clip after clip after clip of Michelle Wolf? who most of us never heard of before, who is an irrelevancy. She isn't even a pimple on an elephant's butt. 
She's not even a footnote to a footnote to a footnote. Or do we spend a little bit of time listening to what Netanyahu had to say about what they found? The Mossad, their equivalent of the CIA, obviously somehow from Iran got tens of thousands of pages of evidence. Files, CDs, you name it. Blueprints. And let's listen to Netanyahu himself. Cut one, go. Tonight I'm here to tell you one thing. Iran lied. Big time. After signing the nuclear deal in uh, 2015, Iran intensified its efforts to hide its secret nuclear files. In 2017, Iran moved its nuclear weapons files to a highly secret location in Tehran. This is the Shorabad district in southern Tehran. This is where they kept the atomic archives, right here. Few Iranians knew where it was, very few, and also a few Israelis. Now, from the outside, this was an innocent-looking compound. It looks like a dilapidated warehouse. But from the inside, it contained Iran's secret atomic archives locked in massive files. Actually, they're a little bigger than this, okay? A few weeks ago, in a great intelligence achievement, Israel obtained half a ton of the material inside these vaults. And here's what we got. 55,000 pages, another 55,000 files on 183 CDs. Everything you're about to see is an exact copy of the original Iranian material. You may want to know where are the originals. Well, I can say they're now in a very safe place. <laughs> I guess Israel has them. That's what that means. Okay, go ahead. Files included. Incriminating documents. Incriminating charts. Incriminating presentations. Incriminating blueprints. Incriminating photos. Incriminating videos and more. We've shared this material with the United States, and the United States can vouch for its authenticity. We will also share it with other countries, and we'll share it with the International Atomic Energy Agency. See, folks, the key here is that the Iranians have always denied that they had a nuclear weapons project, they always denied it. Even before when the UN inspectors would come in, they denied it. And so the point here is you have a house of cards, a pile of lies that were spoken again and again and again by our own administration as a basis for getting a deal, in my view an unconstitutional deal because they slipped past the treaty provision, to get a deal with Iran. I mean, this is... When you think about the Obama administration and the domestic surveillance and the abuse by the FBI at the highest levels with the FISA warrant, the unmasking of American citizens, including Mike Flynn, when you think about the Obama administration and the lies that perpetrated against the American people, serious, very serious lies, violations of law, obstruction of provision of information, lies about the Iran deal and their side deals, it has to be the worst administration in modern American history. 
bar none, if not in American history. And President Trump is trying to unravel the damage that Obama did, whether it's with Iran, North Korea, China, Russia, or what have you. And so this is a huge revelation by the Israeli government on what the Iranians were doing in the lead up to the Excuse me, in the lead up to the deal and the deal itself. Okay, cut two, go. We've known for years that Iran had a secret nuclear weapons program called Project Ahmad. We can now prove that Project Ahmad was a comprehensive program to design, build, and test nuclear weapons. We can also prove that Iran is secretly storing Project Ahmad material to use at a time of its choice to develop nuclear weapons. Here's what Project Ahmad's explicit goal was, creating nuclear weapons. This is an original Iranian presentation from these files. And here's the mission statement. Design, produce, and test five warheads, each with 10 kiloton TNT yield for integration on a missile. You don't have to read Farsi to see 10 kilotons here, TNT. This is the specific goal of Project Ahmad. That's like five Hiroshima bombs to be put on ballistic missiles. And this, of course, is why the Israeli government, the Saudi Arabian government, the Jordanian government, the Egyptian government, and other governments in that area are very, very concerned about this. Are very, very concerned about it. This is why the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, I don't know if he's the king yet, but he will be the king, told the Palestinians, look, either you get serious about peace or shut up, is basically what he said, or be quiet. Because there's bigger things here going on now with respect to these Arab Gulf countries. It's their own survival. It's their own survival. Cut three, go. Here's a design for a nuclear payload on a Shahab 3 missile, from the archive, here's the warhead, here's the bomb. And I don't have to remind you, I think, that Iran is continually expanding the range of its ballistic missiles, its nuclear-capable missiles. They started with 1,000 kilometers. They're now up to 2,000, roughly. They can reach Riyadh, Tel Aviv, Moscow, but they're working on far, far greater ranges. They're planning much longer-range missiles to carry nuclear weapons. So these files conclusively prove that Iran is brazenly lying when it says it never had a nuclear weapons program. The files prove that. All right, we have to take a break. We'll continue when I return. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Anybody here care about the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Anybody watch it on TV? Of course not. Anybody out there not aware that the media are loathsome? Of course not. That the media hate Trump and everybody associated with Trump? Of course not. So I want to, you know, question your intelligence by going over it over and over and over again. In fact, 
what we're doing here now is talking about something of great significance. The Israelis obviously went into Iran somehow, some way, or had people there working for them. But to be able to remove tens of thousands of documents, that's quite an enterprise. That's quite an enterprise. Here's Netanyahu further today. Cut for go. Iran was required by the IAA to come clean by the nuclear deal, to come clean to the International Atomic Energy Agency about its nuclear program. This was an explicit condition for implementing the nuclear deal. Iran has to come clean. So in December 2015, the IAA published its final assessment of what it called the military aspects of Iran's nuclear program. This is the report. This was Iran's chance to fully come clean to the IAEA. They could tell the truth. They could say, we had this program, the secret program. It's over. We shelved it. It doesn't exist. We destroyed the material. Here's what Iran actually told the IAEA. It said, Iran denied the existence of a coordinated program aimed at the development of a nuclear explosive device and specifically denied, get this, specifically denied the existence of the Ahmad plan. The material proves otherwise, that Iran authorized, initiated, and funded Project Ahmad, a coordinated program aimed at the development of a nuclear explosive device. And the point also is, you can't trust them, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. You cannot trust them. They lie, lie, lie. They buy time, buy time, buy time. And so any quote-unquote deal with them is... Unenforceable. It's truly unenforceable. Cut five, go. Tonight is just a fraction of the total material that we have. But even from this sample, you can draw four main conclusions. First, Iran lied about never having a nuclear weapons program. 100,000 secret files prove that they lied. Second, Even after the deal, Iran continued to preserve and expand its nuclear weapons know-how for future use. Why would a terrorist regime hide and meticulously catalog its secret nuclear files if not to use them at a later date? Third, Iran lied again in 2015 when it didn't come clean to the IAEA as required by the nuclear deal. And finally, the Iran deal... The nuclear deal is based on lies. It's based on Iranian lies and Iranian deception. 100,000 files right here prove that they lied. Uh, And do we have time for cut six or not? Let's hit it. Go ahead. So here's the bottom line. Iran continues to lie. Just last week, Zarif said this. We never wanted to produce a bomb. Again? We never wanted to produce a bomb. Yes, you did. Yes, you do. And the Atomic Archive proves it. The nuclear deal gives Iran a clear path to an atomic arsenal. It does so because it gives them the three components that are necessary to produce this arsenal. First, unlimited enrichment in a few years. And they plan to do that. They plan to have several hundred thousand 
advanced centrifuges with which they can enrich mountains of uranium for that core that I showed you before, for many, many such cores. Second, it completely fails to address Iran's development of continuing development of ballistic missiles. And third, and this is new, it completely fails to address Iran's secret nuclear bomb program and its advanced work on weaponization. We just did. So this is a terrible deal. It should never have been concluded. And in a few days' time, President Trump will decide, will make his decision on what to do with the nuclear deal. I'm sure he'll do the right thing. The right thing for the United States, the right thing for Israel, and the right thing for the peace of the world. So you have to ask yourself, folks, how in the world could any American president cut a deal like this? Now, we knew that the Iranians were doing everything possible to build a nuclear weapon, whether warheads, whether a bomb. We knew they were working on ICBMs. And yet, we entered into this deal with Obama and these other countries and Iran. And it's our country that's going to suffer as a result of this. Because as I said, these ICBMs aren't built for the neighborhood. They're intercontinental ballistic missiles. They're built for us. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, a proud fanatic for the Constitution. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Now you might ask yourselves, well, why do the Germans and the French and even the Russians, but particularly the European countries, why do they still want this deal? Because they're making hundreds of billions of dollars, that's why. They've opened up all their commercial ties to Iran. And so uh, Europe is making a fortune from this deal. When the sanctions were on, they were very upset. And here's what's troubling. When the sanctions were on during the administration of George W. Bush, they were actually working. The Iranian economy was beginning to collapse. The currency was beginning to shoot through the roof in terms of inflation. Uh, You saw when Obama took over, the people there rose up. For 10 days, Obama said nothing as they rose up. And so really tough sanctions were working. But France, Germany, other countries, they make a fortune. Off this deal. Off this deal. What does President Trump think about what Israel uncovered? Cut seven, go. I want to ask if you have made up your mind to pull out of that deal. And if you do pull out of that deal, do you think, are you worried that it sends the wrong message to North Korea as you seek to enter nuclear talks with uh, Kim Jong-un? No, I think it sends the right message. You know, in seven years, that deal will have expired and Iran is free to go ahead and create nuclear weapons. That's not acceptable. Seven years is tomorrow. That's not acceptable. So, no, if anything, it's proven right what Israel has done today with the news conference. And Prime Minister Netanyahu 
just gave a very, I don't know if everybody's seen it, but I got to see a little bit of it. And uh, that is just not an acceptable situation. And I've been saying that's happening. They're not sitting back idly. They're setting off missiles, which they say are for television purposes. I don't think so. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm not telling you what I'm doing, but a lot of people think they know. And on or before the 12th, we'll make a decision. That doesn't mean we won't negotiate a real agreement. You know, this is an agreement that wasn't approved by too many people. And it's a horrible agreement for the United States, including the fact, Mr. President, that we gave Iran $150 billion and $1.8 billion in cash. Nigeria would like some of that. $1.8 billion in cash and $150 billion. You know what we got? We got nothing. We got nothing. So that doesn't mean I wouldn't negotiate a new agreement. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think, if anything, what's happening today and what's happened over the last little while and what we've learned has really shown that I've been 100 percent right. You know, not only has he been 100 percent right, his foreign policy is superb. Trump's foreign policy is superb. That's why I don't understand these guys writing these books or these articles about conservatism. You know, now it's about Trumpism, not conservatism. You can disagree with Trump on some issues, as I do. But I don't think there's anything so far in his foreign policy that I disagree with. I also think he comes at these things with a very sober attitude. He knows who and what he's dealing with. I mean, he understands Iran. He understands what's going on with North Korea and so forth. He gets it. So he wants to build up the United States military to confront these threats that we face from China and Russia, among others. So I, I, I read these guys, some of whom are neoconservatives. They should be very pleased with the president. Not that he's a neoconservative but that he's an American firster in that sense. He's about putting America first when it comes to national and uh, national security. And I would think this is something all conservatives can rally around. Neoconservatives, traditional conservatives like me, populist, nationalist conservatives. I think the president's foreign policy has been absolutely superb. He's been right on. Look, he's got two third world countries, one that just, you know, in North Korea, demonstrated that in fact has nuclear weapons and can fire off the nuclear weapons. And he's got another third world country in Iran, which is driven by uh, jihadist and terrorist motives. It is an ideology. The Islamo-Nazis that run that country. And he has to deal with that. There was a time when everybody understood that we were to fight for non-proliferation, meaning non-proliferation of nukes. But we actually had a president in Obama, a president Obama who was worse than Neville Chamberlain because Chamberlain appeased the Nazis. He didn't fund them. Obama funded the little Nazis were called the uh, regime. They like to call uh, us big Satan and Israel little Satan. Well, they're the little Nazis. So it's really incredible when you think about the Obama administration and its willingness to, to, well, to sell out the country. 
And that's what they did. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton were president today? What would be going on? Can you imagine? Let's take some calls. Let's hear what you have to say. Bob, Burke, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yeah, I think you need to take a look at well as well at um, what the um, intelligence agencies did not do. Uh, if you look at DIA, CIA, NSA, uh, Central Command J2, um, they, they're either incompetent or corrupt. They either were unable to uncover what the Israelis uncovered, or they deliberately did not collect the intelligence or misanalyzed the intelligence they did collect. Well, you know what? You raise a great point to this extent, in my opinion. You got Clapper and Brennan and Comey out there, and before Comey and Mueller. And they, at least in part, had a responsibility to track down the intelligence information, to gather it, and present that, not just to the president, but to the relevant people on the relevant committees of Congress. And frankly, they need to, the, uh, the HIPSI, the House uh, um, Special Committee on Intelligence, and the Senate Special Committee on Intelligence need to conduct an investigation, uh, a special investigation of this, because this is a strategic surprise. Uh, the fact that our intelligence agencies failed... Well, let me ask you this. Do you think they failed, or the higher echelon, and we've seen these these jerks all over TV, do you think the higher echelon concealed it, covered it up? Either one. Either one. They should investigate either one. They should either be investigating it for corruption or incompetence. All right, Bob. Thanks for your call. Scott, Staten Island, New York, the great WABC. Go ahead. Hey, Mark. I agree with the uh, the gentleman that just called, um, and I would say uh, corruption. But um, also what I think, Mark, whoever approved of that nuclear deal, um, they must have forgot about the um, how, is, uh, how Iran is one of our arch enemies. And they must have forgot about the 444 days. And You're the, talking and, about where they held Americans hostage. Yes, sir. Or how about they also use these sophisticated IEDs to kill an enormous number of our soldiers in Iraq? Unbelievable. And don't forget, Mark, um, the commandos that were killed in that helicopter crash uh, trying to rescue the 444. You're right. Uh, I'm sorry, the hostages that were held for 444 days. Um, it's, it's so much, Mark. It's, it's unreal what the man has gotten away with Obama. Um, and it was horrible that that deal went through and he was considered, uh, an amazing president to some yeah. of these crazy left wingers. And by the and, way, and by the way, let's not forget all the Democrats who lined up behind him, exactly. all the Democrats who lined up behind him, uh, and went right down, right down the path with him. And, and, and I don't understand that, Mark. And now uh, President Trump is trying to get out of this. He, he doesn't, you know, he wants to just say no. Right. And he's the bad guy. Yeah, well. I, I, mean, I mean, Mark, this country is really going crazy. And it, we, it's going crazy because the leftist kooks have so much power in this country, including over the media. All right, Scott, appreciate your call. Let's go to Jacob, Tom's River, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Mark, I just want to say every single day I thank God for you, and I hope you have good health. And I just want to say a few things. First of all, Netanyahu, 
showed that he's a real leader. He has lots of courage. And Trump, even though maybe he's not a perfect person, he says the truth. And he's not afraid of all the you know political correctness of other countries, what they're going to say. And James Mattis today, you know, he, he, he I was not, you know, I did not appreciate what he was saying, that he didn't read it, even though when Netanyahu said that he provided all the intelligence to the U.S. and, and, and uh, Mattis said... I, I, I have found Mattis to be very unimpressive. Have you? I agree with you. Yes, I agree with you. Even where, though, where's Mad Dog? I don't see Mad Dog, do you? Exa- exactly, Mark. I don't know exactly how old you are, Mark, but you come in every single day with a fire. You got lots of energy. He and Jeff Sessions, they both, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, they just seem too old for the job. And I just want to say one other thing about that, uh, that clown that thinks she was a, a comedian or something. You know, I don't care if you want to make fun of someone, but she was just so vulgar and so low-class. I understand. I understand. And that's who they are. And there's really no point in going over it and over it and over it and over it and over it. That are That is the media. <clears throat> and uh, we talk about it all the time. And I'm not going to give them voice on this program and start playing her bit. All right. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Next hour, 7.30 Eastern Time, we will have on the program the ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer, to discuss this further. Now, whether it's a youth, amateur, or professional sporting event, moms are the biggest fans in attendance, aren't they? From orange peels at halftime to batter's box cheers, a mom's dedication is unmatched. This Mother's Day, show her just how much you've appreciated all the support she's given you with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, when you get ahead of the Mother's Day rush, 1-800-Flowers will give you an exclusive 30 for 30 offer. 30 assorted tulips for just $30. With a bright and beautiful mix of orange, yellow, and pink blooms, these assorted tulips are guaranteed to make her smile. Tulips from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak from Premier Farms and shipped overnight to ensure freshness. Don't put this off, guys. Order today from 1-800-Flowers.com. It's what mom would want you to do. To order 30 stunning assorted tulips for only $30, go right now to 1-800-Flowers.com. Here's the deal. Click the radio icon and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. That's crucial to get the special discount. Order today and save at 1-800-Flowers.com, code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, 1-800-Flowers.com, code LEVIN. Harry, because this offer, it expires tomorrow. Jonas, Chicago, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. Go! Hey, Mark, how are you? Great to hear you. You are not only the great one, you are the great educator. You Thank taught you. me a lot and listen to you every day. I'm a young conservative. I'm a student in the United States, and I'm thrilled to listen to all of your programs. You're very, very smart, and I just feel blessed to live in Wow, you need to be my PR you. guy. Thank you. No, no, I won't be your PR guy. I just wanted to make a quick point. Remember, you were referring to an article in Politico, the left-wing newspaper? Yes. uh, That made a good point about Hezbollah and the cover-up that our former president made over there. And that just showed us that he would stop at nothing to have this deal. And I'm pretty sure the intelligence community knew about the activities in Iran, but they just turned a blind eye. And uh, why why aren't... 
Uh, James Clapper and John Brennan and Jim Comey held to account for this. Why, why, do, why will nobody ask them about any of this? Because we live in a system of double standards. There is no one standard. You know it better than anyone. When you speak the truth, you're being attacked for it every day just for speaking the truth. So they were not speaking the truth, and they will avoid having any responsibility for that. All right, Jonas. Excellent call. Appreciate it, buddy. Mike, Fargo, North Dakota, the great WZFG, the flag. Go ahead. Mark, I just wanted to say, um, the first time caller, too, just uh, you know, really proud to be on. I wanted to say I hope if President Trump decides to end this nuclear deal, that he invokes the treaty clause and kicks this back to the Senate because I cannot forgive Bob Corker for this Corker Amendment, which stuck us yep. with this horrible treaty deal. You're right on, bro. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and the thing is, the, the moment Donald Trump chooses to get out of this treaty deal, they, everybody in D.C. is going to throw him under the bus. So as far as I'm concerned, what he needs to do is tell the Senate, fine, you know what? Uh, you know, do just like he did with DACA, say, in 60 days, 90 days, whatever, we're out of this unless the Senate votes on it. Get every one of those senators on record voting for it, especially those Democrats facing tough re-elections. And you know what? Especially the Republicans. I mean, how great would it be to be a Republican, go back to your home state and say, hey, I helped kill this horrible, unconstitutional, illegal, and immoral Iran deal. I don't think he has to do any of that. He can just kill it. But I kind of like your idea also that says, all right, you want to fix this? Then treat it as a treaty. And run it through the Senate. Let's see if you can get your 67 votes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because then you do the right thing, like Donald Trump tries to do, and everybody throws them under the bus. It's like, fine. You know, force the Senate to stand and be counted or basically to, to let this thing die. All right, brother. Another great call. Appreciate it. Where in the world has Barbara from Harlem, New York, been my friend for years? And you, Barbara, where have you been? I have been sick, but I'm still above ground. Oh, my Lord. Yes, I've been sick. That's why you have I'm sorry. Me. I'm sorry. But that's all right. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Thank God, by the grace of God. Amen. But listen, I've been listening to you, but, you know, I just haven't felt well enough to call in. But I'm so proud of our president, so proud of Netanyahu for telling it like it is. And we, you're right. We were sold down the river by the previous administration, including the FBI. Now, Barbara, I just want the whole nation to recall you're an African-American lady. Yes, I am. And you backed this president before Kanye West did. Yes, I did. I just want to point this out, that if you went yes. to go, whoa, Kanye West, Kanye West, oh, really? Well, I know Barbara from Harlem. For a long time, long time. And I even have a book that's coming out, too, Mark. Next really? Month. Escaping the Racism of Low Expectations. Well, you make sure you tell Rich, our producer, because I'm going to have you on and talk about it, okay? Oh, my goodness. Wonderful. But, Mark, I'm so happy to be able to get in tonight to talk to you. You know I love you, and keep up the fight. Well, you're a sweetheart, and we feel the same about you. You take care of yourself, Barbara. Let's go to Joe, Dallas, Texas, our great affiliate, WBAP. Go. Mark, you're the great one. Love you. Long-time listener. Thank you. And... Yes. Uh, the question I want to pose is, you know, here and there in the media, we hear about what possibly Putin and the Russians have on Trump. But my question is, is what did the Iranians have on the Obama administration to make them get into such a bad deal? Mm -hmm. So you think they may have had something on them? 
I mean, it's. I mean, I, it, I'm being hypothetical and I'm speculating, but I mean, to give them so much money and to make so many concessions on their behalf and nothing on ours, what do they have over his head that we don't know about? Well, well, you know, who knows? And we don't know that they had anything over his head. It could be ideologically driven by Obama, you know. As I say, he took Neville Chamberlain one step further. He didn't just appease the Iranians. He helped fund their nuclear plants. And he helped ensure that they would have nuclear weapons. And as the president, our president says now, in seven years, they're free to build nukes. Seven years is a minute from now. It's tomorrow. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, there's a piece by Peter Schweizer and Jacob McLeod at Breitbart, and I have to go on what they're writing. I don't have any first-hand knowledge of what they've said here, but it's quite troubling, if accurate. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's in-laws have ordered 10 massive cargo ships from the Chinese government since the senator's wife, Elaine Chao, became Secretary of Transportation. The deep financial ties between the Chao family's shipping business, Foremost Group, and the Chinese regime were first revealed in the number one New York Times bestseller, Secret Empires. And we had Schweizer on the program to discuss this. And it really was stunning. Foremost Group, which is owned by Secretary Lane Chow's father, <coughs> father and Senator McConnell's father-in-law, James S.C. Chow, signed contracts with a subsidiary of the state-owned China State Shipping Corporation for four bulk cargo ships in June and September 2017. In December 2017, Chow's company signed another contract with state-owned CSSC at Foremost New York office for two massive 210-ton ships. James S.C. Chow and two of Elaine's sisters were in attendance. So, too, was the Consul General of China in New York, as well as representatives from the CSSC. terms of the agreement were not disclosed. Then on January 31, 2018, Foremost Group ordered four more 210,000-ton ships from CSSC. Angela Chow, sister to Secretary Lane Chow and Foremost Deputy Chairman, said she expects cooperation between the two entities to extend into the future. In January 2017, Angela Chow joined the board of the state-owned Bank of China. This is incredible. The finances of Senator Elaine Chow and her husband, Senator Mitch McConnell, are closely tied to the foremost group. Now, McConnell's been on the public payroll almost his entire life, right? There's no way he should be rich, but he's rich. In 2008, James Chow gave a $5 million to $25 million gift to Senator McConnell, more than tripling McConnell's net worth. Contracts with other Chinese state-owned enterprises make up a significant portion of foremost business. James and Angela Chow previously served on the board of CSSC Holdings, that's the Chinese company, a major contractor for the Chinese military and a key supporter of the PLA Navy. 
despite increasing threats of a trade war between the Trump administration and the Chinese government. The Chow family's ties to the Chinese government do not seem to have cooled. To the contrary, as the 10-ship order suggests, they have accelerated. Moreover, James Chow was recently in China for an event promoting his new Chinese-language biography. And the event was sponsored by Jihao, the Chinese state-owned media outlet, and the Chinese People's Association for Friendship with Foreign Countries, a branch of the Communist Party known to be active in foreign influence operations. Sponsors praised James Chow as a great promoter of China abroad, referring to him as a vanguard of China-U.S. exchanges. Isn't this amazing? Today we should talk about Michelle Wolf and the White House, whatever, correspondence dinner, right? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's touched this, but it needs to be touched. It goes on. The Chow's Chinese counterparties are often closely aligned with China's foreign policy elite. The president, Li Jialin, attended the book event with the Chow's. She is the daughter of former Chinese president and wife of former major general in the People's Liberation Army. Another official in attendance now serves as deputy director of the United Front Work Department, a division of the Communist Party involved in managing foreign relationships. Trade and infrastructure deals around the globe have become a centerpiece of China's foreign policy in recent years. These deals are part of the strategic One Belt, One Road initiative, a massive plan to expand China's sphere of influence across Asia and Africa. U.S. analysts view it as both a military and economic challenge to the United States. One detailed study regards it as a state-directed effort to bolster Chinese political influence and extend its military reach from Indonesia to East Africa. But the Chow family describes it in much more benign terms. In a March 2017 statement, Angela Chow called OBOR very important not only to China's development, but for the many surrounding and neighboring countries, and thus the world. I hope to also be able to contribute to this important initiative that has the potential to raise the standard of living for so many. The United States has so far declined to participate directly in this or join China's Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, but the Trump administration sent a delegation to the 2017 Belt and Road Forum in a notable deviation from previous policy. Elaine Chao's position as Transportation Secretary gives her great influence over U.S. policy regarding central components of the plan. Secretary Chao is spearheading the Trump administration's $200 billion infrastructure proposal. Now, this company, Foremost, that's owned by Elaine Chown's father and sisters, has yet to disclose the financial details of its latest deals with the CSSC. Similar transactions have recently cost over $47 million per vessel, a price that would, uh, that would uh, place the total value of the Foremost deals at nearly half a billion dollars. Under current federal disclosure laws, which do not apply to adult relatives, Secretary Chow and Senator McConnell are not required to report their family's dealings with a major foreign military contractor. Secretary Chow is known to be extremely close with her father, who claims that she calls him nightly and involves him in official administration events, quote, as often as she can. It's a piece in Breitbart by Peter Schweizer and Jacob McLeod. Now, this to me is hugely important. And we used to read stories about Diane Feinstein and her husband, 
who had all these dealings with Red China, remember? Apartment buildings and so forth and so on. The Chinese government is very good at this. Is very good at this. So the Feinstein family, the Feinstein family, made out like bandits in deals with China, and she sits on the Intelligence Committee, among other committees of the United States Senate, and has for a couple of decades, more than that now. And now we have McConnell. Now we have McConnell. Now this is very troubling to me. And I don't know why the Republicans keep electing this guy McConnell to be their so-called leader in the Senate. He is an awful leader. But he's like a mob boss in many ways. The way he controls funds that go into campaigns, the way he's trying to reach into various states and affect their, their primaries, even though he's a senator from Kentucky and it's none of his damn business. He's lost us more seats in the United States Senate. He likes to go around and blame it on the Tea Party. Really, you ought to do some research on all these so-called establishment Republican candidates. They get their asses kicked over and over and over again. That's McConnell, the great thinker, much like Karl Rove, the architect. The architect who lost us the House and the Senate in 2006. The architect who in 2000 lost the popular vote to Al Gore. The architect of what? The Leaning Tower of Pisa? I don't know what he's the architect of. But these are the establishment guys, and these are the consequences. And I think this is a big deal. The McConnell family, and Elaine Chow, and so forth and so on. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you hiring? Posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? Well, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. ZipRecruiter is on the cutting edge. And by the way, ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there, folks. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. There's no question about that. Now, there's a senator from Connecticut by the name... Well, actually, this guy's from Delaware. His name is Chris Coons. And he was on Fox News Sunday on the Saran deal. And here's what he had to say. Cut nine, go. Well, I think this is a terrific opportunity uh, for President Trump, who made his reputation as a builder, uh, to build on the Iran nuclear deal. And That's very de- clever. He's a builder, so he should build on the Iran nuclear deal. I wonder if this idiot still thinks he should build on the Iran nuclear deal, given what the Israelis, the Prime Minister Netanyahu, came forward with today. Go ahead. 
You just said the areas that were not uh, fully resolved through the Iran nuclear deal, the ballistic missile program, their support for terrorism in the region, their terrible human rights record. The Iranian regime is a dangerous, threatening regime. And if President Wow, Trump- so why did we give them $150 billion if they're a dangerous, threatening regime? They have a ballistic missile program. They support terrorism in the region. Why in the hell would we give them $150 billion? When the Bush sanctions were working. Go ahead successfully lead an effort with our European allies uh, to rein in or to end their ballistic missile program, uh, to put, uh, a, to change the outcome of the current uh, Iranian deal so that there isn't a sunset clause. I think these would be positive things that I would support. Well, then, if you would support them, we should do them. The problem is the Iranians aren't going to move backwards. They're not going to support them. The problem is that the, the French, the Germans, and the rest of the Europeans are in this for the money. And we shouldn't be following their lead. Uh, as I recall, uh, there have been some horrific wars on their, uh, on their continent. We should be following our lead. The Islamo-Nazi regime here in Iran, in Tehran, does not represent the people of Iran. That regime has caused enormous bloodshed and genocide in neighboring countries. That regime has killed an enormous number of American troops. Uh, And that regime wants nukes for one reason and one reason only. To use them. Not to defend itself. But to use them. Now, let's go to Kathy in New Jersey, the great WABC. Go ahead. Yes. uh, Mark Levin, I love you. And I am so appreciative of everything you tell us because I know it's the truth. Against all the insidious manipulators in the deep state. And I agree with you on the Iran deal, how awful it is. And I I just want to tell you that I love you. Oh, well, thank you. My wife tells me that every day, by the way. Well, I'm sure Julie does. Is that her name? That's her name. Did I get it right? Yes. got it right. I I love you both. Thank you. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. We appreciate it, Kathy. We had somebody who wanted to call in here. I said, forget it. Shouldn't we investigate to determine if these documents are legitimate? Now, they have a half a ton of documents. They've already shared the information with our government. And now we need to make sure that these documents are legitimate. Why? Because you think Israel's planning them? So absurd. John! Newark, Delaware. Go. Sirius Satellite. Yes, sir. First of all, I I notice that you have some respiratory problems. You cough every once in a while. I pray for full healing for you. Thank you. I can use it. My my comment uh, is regarding last year's article in the Jerusalem Post where some uh, Israeli operatives from the Begin Sadat uh, Center said that there is a high connection and communication between North Korea and Iran. Now, let's paint a little scenario. North Korea blows up its mountain. It's basically done. It's, it's finished with its nuclear with its testing. testing. Exactly. And, so, and so it pushes a button, sends all of its research and development to Iran, and, who's to, and, and then says to the U.S. and South Korea, hey, I give up. 
Mm-hmm. Who's to say that Iran isn't going to give them some of that $150 billion? I, I don't disagree with you. And, you know, I know people are very, very excited about the talks with Un and President Trump and so forth. Uh, I do not believe that the North Koreans will give up their nuclear know-how. I do not. I do not believe they will denuclearize. And first of all, we have to define what that means. Does that mean give up their existing weapons? Give up their research? And how do you put that toothpaste back in the tube? So I'm not as celebratory as so many other people. I do believe that it is absolutely going in the right direction what the president has done. He's had an outstanding foreign policy, and that includes, of course, North Korea. But I've also seen, quite frankly, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, um, George W. Bush, Obama. They all had all these wonderful deals with North Korea. North Korea, like Iran, lies. They lie. Go ahead. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I think it's too easy they gave up too easy. It is interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden, he's smiley-faced. All of a sudden, he's meeting with the uh, president of South Korea and the DMZ. And this is after he meets with China, right? So I think China said, no, dummy, little boy, this is how you do it. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, that's what he's doing. Yes. And who's to say, yes, uh, who's to say that Kim does give up his weapons and technology, but who's to say that he didn't? push a copy button and send it to the Iranians because of that connection that the the Begin Sadat Center uh, advisors and and operatives said that there is. I trust. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. No, the North Koreans have sold certain material and, and the technological information to the Iranians. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they got much of what they have from the Chinese. And the Chinese got much of what they have by stealing it from us. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, President Trump, please have your people look into transfers from Iran, uh, financial transfers from Iran to North Korea. I, uh, John, I'm betting if there is, they, they've got them. But I also believe this massive stash of documents and other information that the Israelis have, if there's a Korean connection, I think they'll know that too. Blessings huh? on you, Mark. Take Thank care. you, buddy. Appreciate it. Ken, Los Angeles, very quickly, Sirius Satellite. Well, we don't have time. Ken, hang in there. We have 30, did you say, Rich? All right, we don't have enough time. Ken, just hang on. Everybody else, hang on. Uh, We're scheduled to have uh, Ron Dermer, the ambassador to the United States from Israel, and I want to get to all of you when I'm done talking to the ambassador. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's an honor to have Israel's ambassador to the United States, Ron Dermer, with us. How are you, sir? Good. Good to be with you. Well, my Lord, half a ton of documents of uh, evidence of Iran's nuclear activity. I thought they said they weren't doing anything with nuclear weapons. Yeah, well, uh, what Prime Minister Netanyahu did today in his presentation, he he presented more than a a smoking gun. It was a smoking bomb uh, with massive amounts of hard evidence that Iran has a military nuclear program and also uh, evidence of Iran's plan to deceive the international community. You know, they violated the JCPOA 
by falsifying their statements to the International Atomic Energy Agency. You remember that before they could begin this uh, deal, this so-called nuclear deal, Iran had to basically pass a test by the IAEA. And the IAEA essentially whitewashed Iran's past activity. Iran said, hey, we never had a nuclear program, a nuclear weapons program. All of this information is false. Well, now it's been shown, proven, that all of the suspicions on Iran, that people had big question marks about them, they're all exclamation at points, and they had a military nuclear program. And if nothing is done, Mark, to stop this deal, if we're just going to continue to go on cruise control, uh, we're going to end up over a cliff, because the deal allows Iran in a few short years to enrich uranium to its heart's content. They're continuing to develop their ballistic missiles, and now they, we've shown that they have um, uh, a, a very advanced weaponization program, and they can bring all of those elements together so they won't need to sneak in or break into the nuclear club in the future. In a few short years, they can simply walk into the nuclear club. Uh, this shouldn't be allowed to happen. Uh, and thankfully, President Trump, um, I think, understood this early on, uh, and hopefully he will lead us towards a, a different outcome. And people are talking about fixing this deal. I, I have a, a, a question. When you're dealing with a regime like this, that lies and lies and covers up and covers up, how do you fix a deal? Well, the question is, is the international community going to go back to what its policy was five years ago before basically the United States and its previous administration gave up up front? Uh, and the policy should be to fully dismantle their entire nuclear program. There's no reason why Iran should have a single centrifuge, a single ounce of enriched uranium in that country. If they want to have a peaceful nuclear program, that's fine. They do not need to enrich uranium in Iran. And they were given that ability to enrich uranium. And to allow that, combined with the weaponization, combined with a advanced ballistic missile program, is to endanger the peace and security of the world. So I think that the policy should be fully dismantle your program. And if they don't? And if they don't, they should ratchet up pressures and keep ratcheting up pressures. You remember that there were crippling sanctions on Iran for a very short amount of time, only about 18 months. And Iran came to the table, but instead of saying that they were going to fully dismantle their program, they were allowed to keep their program. And then the negotiations basically were a question of how much of their program would they be allowed to keep and for how long would the restraints on the program last. That was it. Look at what's happening in North Korea. You have the president uh, wisely ratcheting up sanctions. I think there's a credible military threat. And at the same time, he's ratcheting up economic pressures with all allies in the region and other parties in the region against North Korea. And then North Korea comes to the table and declares that they're going to denuclearize. Now, whether or not that happens or not is a separate question, but at least they have committed to denuclearize, and I think the president has been rightly skeptical about whether they will, and the proof will be in the pudding. What happened in the Iran deal is that the pressure was ratcheted up against Iran, and instead of demanding that they denuclearize, that they dismantle completely their nuclear program, they were allowed to get away with keeping a huge chunk of it. And this was a big mistake. It's a fatal flaw in the deal. Um, and I think that the program should be fully dismantled. Now, in addition to this deal, the Iranians are taking very provocative steps in Syria and Lebanon and so forth, threatening the security of Israel. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, well, you remember a few years ago when people told us, you know, if we sign this deal with Iran, they will join the community of nations. They will moderate. Instead, they've been gobbling up the nations, and they're more extreme than ever. All this money that's pouring into Iranian coffers, uh, they're using to fuel their war machine in the region, uh, in Iraq, through Shia militias there, in Syria, trying to establish uh, a military base from which to attack uh, Israel, through Hezbollah, their terror proxy in Lebanon, and through the Houthis uh, in Yemen, where they're essentially doing in Yemen what they did to Israel uh, through Lebanon, which is a forward base in order to attack uh, the Saudis. So the whole sanction relief has effectively fueled the Iranian war machine. It did not make them moderate. I'd love to tell you, Mark, that when all this money was pouring in, these tens of billions, ultimately hundreds of billions of dollars are pouring into Iranian coffers, they're going to use that money for a GI Bill for returning members of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. But they're not. They're doing it to fuel their war machine, and it's made the chances of war much, much higher. People promise peace because of this deal. It actually has brought war much, much closer for Israel uh, and for our neighbors in the region. The Prime Minister's revelations today, um, how's that gone down in Israel? I assume the people there, many of them are shocked. Uh, yeah, well, look, there's a certain um, uh, pride in, in our intelligence services, which is one of the best in the world, and uh, kudos to Israeli intelligence for this. But it also tells you the flip side of that is the intelligence failures, how for many years people did not have this information, how when people signed uh, you know, this agreement they didn't have this information. And Iran is a very big country. It is half the size of Europe. And to assume that inspectors from the International Atomic Energy Agency uh, would be able to find these sites and, 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 and be able to catch Iranian deception in a country of such vast size is ridiculous. All the inspection regime does in Iran is it tells inspectors that they can look at the keys under the light of the lamppost. But all the dark places in Iran, no one sees. Fortunately, we found one of those dark places. There may be many more other dark places. We don't know many other things that Iran has. And I I would tell your listeners something else, Mark. What the Prime Minister presented today was only a tiny sliver of what we know. And it wasn't even the most damning evidence that he presented. But we've, we've given that evidence to your own intelligence agencies, and we are going to pass it on in the next few days also to the intelligence agencies of the British, about the French, of the Germans, and other parties in the international community. And no one um, can challenge the authenticity of this information. Do you think the Europeans, who quite frankly have been pretty weak, they're trying to lobby the President of the United States to stick with this deal, pretty much, do you think the Europeans will be moved at all? Um, I do. Uh, they didn't have this information yesterday. This is new for them. When Macron and Merkel were here in the United States, you know, that so-called Europe Week in Washington, they did not have any of this information. This is new information for them. The relevant agencies in their countries will have to work through it. They'll have to process it. But if they were looking for a bridge to walk away from this deal and to go towards America, to go President Trump, I think Prime Minister Netanyahu just gave it to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Russians? Do they much care what evidence you come up with? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. But it's also new information for them. I mean, look, there's, you had a situation, Mark, where eight days ago, nine days ago, you had the foreign minister of Iran saying that Iran never wanted to have nuclear weapons. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. 
Um, and I think this just exposes it in such a dramatic way, and I do believe that it's going to have an impact. Uh, I think it will help unite Europe and the United States behind a position. What Russia and China will do remains to be seen. But I think the president has uh, uh, winded his back for uh, his decision um, uh, before May 12th. What, what, I mean, I can Google it, but what is the gross domestic product of Israel, approximately? Do you know? About $400 billion. About $400 billion. Yeah. And Iran gets $150 billion. Really, in a year's time, uh, when all these sanctions are lifted, it's such an enormous amount of money for them to use for their military machine. It's just unfathomable that this would have been agreed to. Yeah, well, it, well, Israel and Iran. I think you said Israel's GDP, but Iran's GDP is around is around the same thing, maybe slightly bigger than Israel. They're a much bigger country, about ten times the size of our population, maybe eighty times the size of our territory. Oh, but I wanted to know Israel's because, in comparison, you know, four hundred billion right. a year, and they and they just got one hundred and fifty billion bucks. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, but let me explain that to your listeners. Uh, the money that they got when they signed the deal was, frankly, only the signing bonus. That was the fr frozen assets that Iran had from selling oil in the past when these, all these sanctions were put on. Those assets were accumulating in banks around the world. And Iran got tens of billions of dollars. The exact number is not clear. But the big money of the Iranian deal is that now they're free mm -hmm. to sell a lot more oil. Uh, but when the sanctions were on Iran five years ago, after, uh, before the deal was signed, they were only selling about a million barrels a day. After uh, the deal was made, Iran now is already up to beyond two and a half million barrels a day. That's an extra one and a half million barrels a day every single day. At the price of $70 a barrel, do the math, that's $100 million a day. That's $3 billion a month. That's over $35 billion a year, right, every year. Now, that's if the production stays at 2.5 million barrels a day. But as investment pours into Iran, that production will go up. Iran was once exporting 4 million barrels a day. So you could have Iran getting not 35, maybe 60, maybe 100 billion, depending on the price of oil, every single year. And over a 10-year period, you're talking about a trillion dollars to go to a regime that has killed hundreds of Americans, that leads masses of people in, ch in, in, in chance of death to America, and it is the greatest threat to peace and security uh, in the world today. And that's why it's so important to reverse this, to ratchet up pressures on Iran, and to put a real squeeze on them, particularly because the Iranian people can't stand their own regime. You saw that a few months ago when they all rose up in protest. The Iranian people are not uh, anti-American. They're anti the regime. And the more pressure is brought to bear on the outside, I think the more support you'll give the people on the inside who are fighting that regime as well. Well, uh, this is really a remarkable uh, revelation. Uh, not that we didn't think, at least I didn't think that Iran was uh, involved in the nuclear business, but the extent of it, I have to say, and I'm not going to ask you how your intelligence service gathered this information, I mean, it's, I feel like you need a truck to remove all this information. I mean, it's it's so massive, but, yeah, uh, but I, or maybe two. Well, one day when they tell the story, I think people will be um, uh, in, incredibly impressed with uh, with Israelis' intelligence service, Israel's intelligence services that is truly one of the finest uh, in the world, and that saves people uh, around the world every day, including uh, Americans. And we're blessed with it, but it's not foolproof. We've had intelligence failures in the past. Your, your agencies have had intelligence failures. 
And there may be many more things going on in Iran that we don't know about, which is why it's so important uh, to ratchet up the pressures on them today. Well, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, God bless and good luck. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. That is the brilliant ambassador to the United States from Israel. We'll be right back. Mark You know, if you, uh, if you shower or brush your teeth, try to make your hair look presentable. Here's some really good news. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, and hair gel. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top-shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is absolutely free with your membership. And here's a great, great way to, uh, to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just 5 bucks, for just 5 bucks, you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Set. Comes with body cleanser, their world-famous shave butter, their best razor, their six-blade executive. Keep the blades coming for a few more bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. Once more, dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. Well, let's continue. Maureen, Orlando, Florida on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm doing great. How are you tonight? Very well. Thank you. I just loved, I always love Life, Liberty, and Levin. They're always great shows. But last night's show, I was completely blown away. I wish that it had gone on for another hour. I wish there were no commercials. I just yep. learned so much. Maybe you could have him on again sometime and continue that conversation. It was incredible. Well, you know, even at the end, I said I could talk to you another five hours. David Berlinski, Dr. David Berlinski, is one of the smartest human beings on the face of the earth. And um, when he wasn't on air, he's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. But when he's on air, it clicks in. You can see the intellectual mind click in. And he is a secularist, pretty much. He said he's a secular Jew, but he has nothing but contempt for these atheists. And uh, when it comes to religion, faith, God, he says, look, I don't know if there's a God or not. But I also know the atheists who are so adamant in saying there isn't, they have nothing to back up what they're saying either. And then he also talks about, and we did, as you know, evolution and um, Darwinism. And so, you know, I'm really, th this program that I'm doing, I'm, I'm bringing in different types of guests and so forth, but sometimes I bring in a guest who's really super smart because I think my audience, you folks who are watching Fox, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, Sunday night, I think you want that. I think you want to be intellectually challenged and you want to hear these folks. And some of them are absolutely brilliant. And if they're not on my show, you're never going to hear them. True. Well, thank you for that. It was, was a wonderful night. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. We'll play a little bit of that in the third hour. What about that? I think that'll be cool. Jimmy! Our man Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go! Hi, the threat from Red China. They're flooding us with heroin, fentanyl. You have Putin's K KGB mafia. We're being attacked with drugs, illegal aliens. 
We've got the Communist Party influencing our culture, our schools. We're in big trouble. Now the enemy, with the nuclear weapons, they, they found a way to get around mutual assured destruction. And the, you brought up a couple of times that John Brennan headed the CIA. We would have been better off with Walter Brennan heading the CIA. <laughs> John Brennan voted for Gus Hall, the yes. Communist Party candidate for president, when the Communist Party leader, Gus Hall, said the best way to help the cause of communism is through the liberal wing of the Democratic Party. And now we're seeing the results of their decades of strategizing, plotting, conspiring. Now it's pretty much in our face. Russia's got a base in Nicaragua to help the drug cartels. Mm-hmm. It, it's unbelievable. It's re- you're doing a great job, but right now... So, okay. Jimmy, your, your, your proposition would be, uh, really, the Cold War's just taking on a different look. Are you there? Yes. We went, they went from fourth gear into fifth gear. Nuclear weapons that they couldn't use because of mutual assured destruction. When they get those to people who want to die, we have a big problem, and they're working on that. And meanwhile, half the American population is hard left. Some people even say they're pro-communist. So we're being attacked from within and from without. In fact, Jimmy, there is a piece in the, I believe it was the New York Times, where the guy writes, um, happy birthday, Karl Marx. And then Marx was right. He was right about capitalism. He was right about other areas of, uh, of society. And it's really astonishing. Marx was right. I mean, uh, 100 million dead. Marx was right. All right, Jimmy. Appreciate your call, buddy. We're going to have a great hour left. In addition to your calls, we'll play a little bit of David Berlinski. Some of you have no idea who that is. You will. If you just listen a little bit longer into the third hour. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know what? I forgot all about this. Rediscovering Americanism. And the tyranny of progressivism comes out in paperback tomorrow. Tomorrow. I don't have time to pull it up on the site, Mr. Producer, but I wonder how much the paperback is on uh, Amazon. Maybe you can check that during the break. All right, on Fox Sunday last night, we are the cleanup hitters for the week. Life, Liberty, and Levin. Triple L. Okay, very good. 16 bucks for the paperback. That's the retail. I'll bet they'll discount it pretty good. Anyway, so uh, I feel that what you want late on Sunday night is not more of the same. I came up with this concept of doing a long-form interview show on the Fox channel on Sunday night. I didn't invent it because when I was a kid growing up, I was very much influenced by watching... Uh, Buckley and Milton Friedman and even some of the liberal hosts who took time with their guests to have these discussions about these different issues. And I found it very compelling. It's not repetitive. It's not the same old, same old. And you can see by the mix of guests that I'm bringing onto the program, 
it, it, it's intended just to make it interesting and not predictable. But there is one thing that is predictable. It is a long-form interview with one or two people tops where we have a discussion about issues that I think are profoundly important to this society. This coming Sunday, I'm having uh, Joe DeGeneva and Dan Bongino on the same show discuss a number of issues. I don't believe they've ever been together before in this respect. But last Sunday, yesterday, I had a remarkable man on the show, a man who I've really admired from afar for some time. And his name is David Berlinski. And most of you probably never heard of David Berlinski, but he is profoundly important. Remember what I said when I started this program. We're going to have guests who are famous, guests who you've never heard of before, guests who are just compelling from different walks of life, but in the end, people who make a difference, and people who can make a difference. Berlinski is, as I said, he's a secular Jew. He's not religious. He doesn't dismiss the possibility of God. He just says, I don't believe there's a God, but I also don't believe I'm in a position to say there's no God. And he said, and that's the problem with the atheists. They're not in a position to say it either, but they insist on it. And they claim to embrace scientific analysis, like evolution. And in his book, um, he, he goes through how they have no scientific proof for evolution. He said, yes, over a very long period of time. There may be some changes, you know, insect to insect or something like this. But he said, the connection between the chimp and man is less than the connection between man and a flower. He says, so these are theories that these folks push out, not actual science. Again, and this is a man who is heavily trained. He's more than just a philosopher. He's a mathematician. He's a scientist. He's all these things. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating. When we finished, I, I, I actually felt bad. I wanted to have another couple hours. I even said to him at the end of the program, I wish we had five more hours to keep going into this. So here's a little bit of it that I think might interest you, those of you who didn't watch it. Cut 16, go. Dr. Belinsky, so atheism, Darwinism, they can't really tolerate religion, can they? Not with any degree of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, everyone will say religion is a matter of what you do in the privacy and therefore the confines of your own home. As long as it doesn't come into the academic world and pollute the stream of vigorous science, <laughs> oh, you can do whatever you want. That is a way of uh, maintaining the fiction of certain kinds of constitutional protections and at the same time upholding the values of the academy, which are frankly anti-religious. There's no question about that. What's the title of, the, of Christopher Hitchens' book? Religion Poisons Everything. And I look at this, and then you look at our Declaration of Independence. Natural rights, natural law, God-given, unalienable rights. How can this notion of Darwinism, atheism, really progressivism, which I want to get into with you in a moment, how, uh, they really don't work 
with constitutionalism, do they? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by their creator. Oh, wait a second. That has nothing to do. (laughs) It is flatly inconsistent with the Darwinian hypothesis. All men are not endowed by their creator. All men are not brothers. Quite a different scenario is playing out in the biological world. If you want a comparison, look to our nearest neighbors. You would never say all chimpanzees are brothers endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Why should we say that about it? But we do. That's, That's the crucial point. We tolerate the inconsistency because we're forced to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right on. Cut 17, go. In America today, do you think this notion of Darwinianism that you were talking about, this push towards, I would argue, public atheism, in other words, religion out of the public square, we've got to clean it off out of the parks, we've got to clean it out of the schools. And Get so rid of it wherever. Wherever it is. is. Yeah. Um, doesn't this undermine the foundational principles of the United States? Probably. Probably. But look, let me put the point to you in a slightly different way. Suppose you were coming from out of space. You're a biologist, right? You come to the Earth. And you listen to a long lecture about Darwin and the immense importance of Darwinian biology. But then you open your own eyes. Say you're from Mars. You open your eyes. What are the two things that would most strike you about living systems on the face of the Earth? Not the Darwinian rhetoric, but I would suggest the evidence of your own eyes. One is that all life is related. There's no question about that. Biochemistry is the same throughout life. All life has very, very many of its properties in common. There's one living system on the face of the planet. Not a multitude of species, one living system. That's the first thing you'd notice. The second thing you'd notice, if you're honest, is that there is a vast inseparable distinction between two kinds of living systems, human beings and all the rest. That is something that's rarely noticed, rarely emphasized. The distance between a human being and our nearest chimpanzee-like ancestors, common ancestors, is much, much, much greater than, than the difference between a chimpanzee and a flower. We're talking about a bifurcation in the manifold of biology. Human beings on one side, the rest of the animal kingdom or the plant kingdom on the other. These are facts that I think that any untroubled observer, and by untroubled I mean someone who has not previously adhered to any kind of ideology such as Darwinism, would at once recognize. Life is connected. It's in some sense one living system but profoundly divided between human beings and all the rest. That's the first step toward some sort of system of reconciliation because it prompts the inevitable question, hey, how come? Why are human beings so different? Why do they organize themselves differently? Why do they have mathematics, literature? Why do they speak to one another? Why do they have creative thoughts? A chimpanzee is probably a lovable animal, but nobody, nobody ever asked a chimpanzee a question that was possible for the chimpanzee to answer. So these, these are 
I would say, orthogonal to the main axis of ideology. So in other words, <clears throat> my question about Darwinianism, um, which is embraced by progressives, was embraced by Woodrow Wilson and Weil and Dewey and all the progeny of Hegel and Marx and so forth, the modern <clears throat> progressive movement. We've talked about this, and I've written about it in Rediscovering Americanism. And I know this stuff sounds hard, but once you get the hang of it, it's actually quite easy. Their attitude is, we're going to bring a scientific approach to managing human beings. And Darwin basically is the survival of the fittest. Species come and species go, and those that are most fit, that can adapt to an environment, adapt to whatever it is, will survive. And they're stronger and stronger and smarter and smarter and better and better. And the progressives adapt that to governance. So, we will try this, we will try this, we will try this, and over time, uh, the best system will well out. Hegel embraced it, Marx embraced it, they rejected aspects of it, but that's the bottom line. That is completely antithetical to our founding. Unalienable rights, God-given natural law, these traditions that we hold on to, these truisms, these universal truths that we hold on to. For the Darwinians, that is, for the progressives, there are no universal truths other than the latest human experimentation with social engineering. And if that doesn't work, it's because they didn't try hard enough. And if they try hard and it doesn't work again, they have to adjust it again and again and again. That's why they'll never abandon something like Obamacare with a notion of government-run health care. And it's interesting because when we get into this a little bit, you'll hear Berlinski say he likes that because it helps him. But it doesn't really help the guy next to him necessarily. And he's just pointing out, you might say, well, well geez, he believes it. He's just pointing out human nature. If somebody gets something for free or for a de minimis amount and it actually works and they like it, they embrace it. Whatever the hell it does to everybody else. And so this leads us into cut 18. Please go. So Dr. Belinsky, we have these various philosophers, ideologues, uh, their progeny, various intellectuals at the turn of the last century, uh, pushing this agenda of human sciences, they call them, behavioral sciences, political sciences. And they're built on this notion of science. And yet, they also embrace, um, I was saying, you know, Rousseau, Hegel, Marx, this sort of thing, who really do insist that you basically have to destroy the existing society in order to get to the promised land, for a variety of reasons, materialism or whatever it is. We've heard that before. We've heard that before. The modern incarnation of this, of this attitude, of this belief system, yeah. the progressives, the so-called democratic socialists. Isn't this where they're dragging countries, or maybe not dragging them, where, where people want to go in these various countries in Europe and the United States? Sure, everybody wants to go there, provided they can go there without any personal inconvenience. Me too. I'm not objecting to uh, universal health care. 
in France. It doesn't work. That's the only problem. Yeah, it worked for me. That's all I care about. <laughs> exactly right. And if you have 40, other, 40 million other people who say exactly the same thing, you will have a system exactly like the socialized system of medicine in France, which I must say did a great job on me. You know, it gave me a new aortic valve. The guy pacemaker. next to you may not. Yeah, well, that's yeah. not really that's my problem. problem. Yeah. And there you've touched on there, uh, a crucial point. These usual frucks destroy the bonds of solidarity, don't they? You cannot endlessly profit from a state-subsidized system and spend a lot of time worrying about your obligations to other people in the same situation. You can spend a lot of time talking about your obligations, but worrying about them, that's quite but, different. And that is your, that you said, I'm doing well. This guy may not be. I got no complaints. But no. isn't that the point when, you, when you're unmoored? from these principles, when you're unmoored from values, belief systems, or faith, wherever one believes they come from. That's what it comes down to. I got what I want. He didn't get it. That's his problem. Aren't societies developing more and more in that direction, unfortunately? Well, secular societies tend to atomize very frequently. Um, they dissolve into individual constituents in the social sciences that used to be called methodological individualism. That the unit of analysis is always the individual, but the unit of agency is also the individual. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a feature of a secular society, and it seems to be a feature of secular societies that's deeply desired by the inhabitants of a secular society. Uh, one thing we have to understand and accept, however reluctantly, is something like the second law of thermodynamics Second law of thermodynamics. So I would later ask him, well, what is that? And essentially, <clears throat> things don't get better, they tend to get worse. And of course, maybe that's true for individuals and societies, but it is what we resist, isn't it? Both individuals and societies. Now, this is the kind of discussion we had. It won't be this way every Sunday night. But now and then, because at least for me, I find this fascinating, and I think you can too. And if it's, if it's a little heavy, you can always go back and listen again and, and break it down and so forth. But as I say, I won't do it every Sunday night, but I will do it from time to time. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Berlinski makes the point that evolutionism has no more of a scientific basis, he argues, than creationism. And yet evolution is what's taught in our schools. Darwinianism, if you will. And you also heard what he said, religion is fine if you keep it quiet. If you do it in the confines of your own home. It cannot be tolerated in academia. It cannot be tolerated in the classroom. It cannot be tolerated in the public square. And so it's not. And then we go through the motions pretending that that still upholds the constitutional imperative of freedom of religion. And yet it's not. So he attacks evolution from a scientific and mathematical perspective. It's not that he's upholding 
religion or faith or creationism or anything of that, of, of that sort. It's that he's saying, okay, you don't believe in those things, that's fine. But we can't dismiss that as an absolute scientific proven fact. On the other hand, those of you who promote Darwinism and evolution and so forth, you can't promote that as a scientifically proven fact either. And that's what I found so compelling, that latter point that he was making. We'll be right back. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. You know, we have five call lines that are always busy. But just to give you an example of the wide listenership, and it's, it's really a blessing. Caller from St. Louis, Missouri, Ashburn, Virginia, Burnside, Kentucky, Houston, Texas, Gainesville, Florida. It's just wonderful. You know, ladies and gentlemen, sure, you could have harsh treatment to look younger, but why would you do that? Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. She said, my husband looks 10 years younger using Genesel. He saw results the first day he used it. I've also had remarkable results. Can't be without it. Now, imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone. Watch those sagging, droopy eyelids disappear. That's years off your appearance. Genesel by Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesel contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact, with immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne's in as little as 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. This is key. You'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. And from now until Mother's Day, order Genesel and you can try Chamonix's brand new Genesel Eyelid Lift for droopy, sagging eyelids absolutely free. Order now. Chamonix will also include a surprise luxury gift, also free. So you've heard me talk about this before. It's time to pull the trigger. Go to Genesel.com, Genesel.com, or better yet, call the toll-free line. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Call now, and express shipping is also free. So call 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com, or 800-SKIN-604. Neil, St. Louis, Missouri, on XM Satellite, how are you? All right, Neil, did Neil drop out? Nancy, Burnside, Kentucky, the great WSFE, go. Hey, Mark, this is Nancy. Uh, you asked earlier about Mitch McConnell and why in the area of Kentucky that he kept getting elected, reelected. Well, in the Paducah area about 10 years ago, there started a rumor that they were going to shut down the Paducah gaseous diffusion plant with a processed uranium. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kept coming here saying that he was going to fight to keep the plant open and the workers working because they'd been here since 652. Mm-hmm. And he kept promising the workers in the area because there was a big plant here in the Paducah area. Well, about, I'd say, 2008 or nine. Okay. Uh, he lost the contract somehow and it went to Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. And 
everybody kept banking on him to be able to do it because he kept saying he could keep it open. You know, it's, and the Shawnee Steam Plant. Uh, All right, did he keep it open or no? No, it was closed down. The workers started getting laid he re- off. He really is a uh, the Houdini of politics, isn't he? What he gets away with. Yeah, but, you know, also this thing about the uranium being sold to Russia and stuff, you know, that kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. Now we'll go back to our truck driver friend, Neil. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Mark. It's an honor to speak to you. Thank and you. I think that that Sunday night show was your best yet, and the topic, uh, I've been involved in the creation evolution discussion for over 40 years, and I think it's the most important um, topic we can discuss because it deals with the foundation of the country. Before I go into that, could I say something uh, that I disagree with you about? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I have heard you say on more than one occasion that you think uh, you should have been born during the time of the founding. And I would disagree with that because they didn't need you. We do. Well, you're very kind. I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. All right. Neil, was there something else, or you're, you're set? You can't believe in the founding documents of the United States of America and believe in evolution because of what mm-hmm. Berlinski mentioned there, that uh, all men are created equal. If you don't mit- believe that men are created and endowed by their creator with rights, then, uh, and if you're an evolutionist, a Darwinist, you don't believe that. And it's fascinating from his perspective, because as I say, he doesn't believe there's a God, but he says, that's my belief. I don't know whether there is or not, but that's my belief. He said, the atheist says, there is no God. Right. And he says, they have no more ability to prove that than than they have no science behind them, nothing whatsoever. That's just their belief. And yet they take their belief and 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 they project it as a fact. And he says, you know, and uh, they and then they teach this stuff and they push this stuff. And that's why I've always said progressivism really grew out of all this, you know, and, uh, and, and, and progressivism and constitutionalism and progressivism and, and the notions of our founding principles, they cannot coexist. They simply cannot. That's right. For 40 years, I have asked uh, evolutionists to give me one fact of evolution. And they cannot do it. It's all, if this, then that. And that's taught as scientific yes. fact. That is right. Well, I appreciate your call, my friend. I really do. By the way, Adam Crato, who is a great reporter over at Free Beacon, he, he uh, tweets out, State Department confirms new information, that is the information that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel talked about, uh, indicates plans for Iran's nuclear weapons program included building five nuclear weapons. Now, let me ask you a question, folks. The prior administration entered into this disastrous agreement. They had to know a lot of this. They had to know a lot of this. And they still entered into this deal so they could get through their own administration for a period of time claim some kind of a great uh, diplomatic accomplishment, and then drop this in the laps of subsequent presidents like they did in, a, in Trump's lap. You know, Trump could do a pass on this. He could take a pass on this, but he's not. 
this is why there's there's something unique about him, and it really is time the Never Trumpers understand this. I mean, I, I know they are invested in his failure. They're invested in in this what has become an ideological obsession over him. But you got to give credit where credit is due. The the hate for Trump. It amazes me that that hate for Trump by these folks isn't a hate for Obama, because look what Obama did here. (coughs) Look what he did in the Iran deal. It's unconscionable. All the lives that are endangered as a result of this. Andrew Ashburn, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yes, sir. Uh, I am a loyal listener, and it is honor to speaking to you, Mr. Levine. I just want to make one comment. There is a hidden agenda in regard to earlier topic, uh, so-called peace summits coming up. Yeah. The American people does not realize Kim Jong-un, the dictator, has a hidden agenda. The hidden agenda is Moon Jae-in, current uh, president of South Korea, will be requested or agreed upon to remove 28,000 mil- U.S. military personnel from South Korea. Shortly after Donald Trump leaves the office, They'll come down and take over. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very concerned about North Korea. I'm very pleased that we have this president in office at this time and not an Obama or somebody like that. But I'm with you. Uh, we ought to be incredibly skeptical given their past 40 years of behavior with respect to the deals that they cut and then violate Republican or Democrat president. That whole peninsula was, quote-unquote, denuclearized before, Uh, We removed 100 of our nuclear warheads from South Korea. And we did that uh, in the agreement that uh, uh, North Korea would not create uh, any kind of a nuclear presence. And clearly they violated that, and they did. All right, Andrew, thank you for your call, my friend. Rick, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yeah, hi, uh, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Look, first of all, I just want to tell you, I'm so loyal to you. I love your show. Uh, I agree with everything you say, but I, it pains me to hear uh, hear you fall in with this guy, Berlinski. <laughs> this, this is quackery. When a man says that a chimpanzee is closer <clears throat> to a flower than to a human, when I mean, we can do genetic testing, a D- a DNA... That's we, not what he means. 97% in, fa- our, in fact, you're making his point. And a flower... And you're going to keep talking. But you're making his point. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're making his point. He's not talking about DNA. What's that? He's not talking about DNA. He's saying chimpanzees, you can't sit down and rationalize with a chimpanzee. It's not like the chimpanzees were left behind and human beings grew out of the chimpanzee and so forth and so on. Matter of fact, we didn't have enough time to develop this, but... Every time there's a new archaeological find, we find, look at this, a new gap. We filled a new gap in evolution. His point is evolution is not a science. Well, well, it very much is a science. No, DNA is a science, but evolution is not a science. It's very well supported. You have no idea if human beings came from chimpanzees. I can't, I won't say that it's proven, but it's... Well, that's the whole point of science, isn't it? But that's the whole and, point of science. I'm not trying to upset you, but we're having a rational debate here. The whole point of science is it has to be proven. And you make a leap. And your leap is, and he would say, 
There you are saying 90%, 97% of the DNA. So what? Well, they're I not human beings. And they never were the human beings. Mark. And they're never going to be human beings. No, that's not the point. All I was saying was that I heard him say that chimpanzees are more related to a flower, closer to a flower than a chimpanzee is. What he means by that is a chimpanzee, if you ask them a mathematical equation, they can't answer. If you ask a flower, uh, they can't answer it either. In other words, all, all all the qualities and characters of a human being that are between the ears. We're not talking about... Uh, you know, the visceral type of behavior by an animal and a human being and so forth. He says we simply don't share that with any other creature on the face of the earth, including chimpanzees. That's absolutely true. And he would say you have no scientific proof whatsoever <coughs> that man developed from chimpanzees. No, we didn't. We a common ancestor. But, you know, just, if I could just ask, say one, one And he would say you have no proof of that whatsoever either. Constitution. All right, go ahead. I was trying to say that as an atheist, I believe firmly in the Constitution, and just because it says... Do you believe in the Declaration of Independence? Declaration of Independence, pardon me. Do you believe that our unalienable rights come from a creator? I I believe they come from, that we're born with them, that they're, uh, uh, that we're born with them. Do you believe they come from God, a creator, a creator? The Declaration talks about a creator. The divinity is mentioned seven times in the Declaration. Listen, I'm not trying to, to persuade you otherwise. Your, your belief system is yours, and I and, and, and trust me, I'm not trying to hammer you or anything else. I'm just saying <clears throat> that, and I even wrote about it in Liberty and Tyranny, that the atheist, if you will, benefits from what the, the founders did in the Declaration of Independence, which is in fact based on the notion of unalienable rights that are God-given on natural rights that are God-created. So the atheist benefits from that, even if they don't embrace it. And that's a good thing. Everyone should benefit from it. But let's not confuse our history, the fact of our history, which is provable, with the atheist proclamations. That's all. I I feel like as an atheist, I'm being made somehow as the enemy here. No, you're not the enemy at all. Matter of fact, you control the public square. You're not the enemy at all. Don't lump me in with the rabid atheist who... who I'm not throwing you in with anybody. If you're a fan of mine, why would I throw you in with the rabid types? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I hey, I, I have no problem with religion in the public square. I don't seek to ban it, but but I believe... Yeah, that but others do, and they've... Su- uh, others do, and they have succeeded. What's that? Others do, and they have succeeded since the uh, Iverson decision which was a putrid decision in the 1940s. Anyway, my friend, I do appreciate your call. We'll be right back. You know, my listener was in deep with back taxes to the IRS. Roughly 15 grand and he couldn't pay just a matter of time until they garnished his wages and seized his bank account. Umpteen times he'd heard me mention Optima Tax Relief and how Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection. And umpteen times he started to call and then stopped. 
Finally, he did. And it was the best call he could have made. The tax experts at Optima qualified him for the Fresh Start Initiative. It's a special IRS program that saved him thousands and put his tax debt to rest. Optima has resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients, and they are A-plus rated with a Better Business Bureau. So when you're ready to put your IRS crisis behind you, one call can start the process to solve it all. Call my trusted friends at Optima Tax Relief at 800 499 uh, what is it? 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. All right. I'm going to try and get as many people in as I can. People have been waiting. Let's see here. Boom, boom, boom. Let us go to uh, Sean Carvalis, Oregon, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Um Hey, I called in last week. I was just having trouble articulating myself. Um, but thanks for taking the call again. Okay. Um, We're running out of time. I, I wanted to talk about a little bit about um, the way the you know, people on the left are trying to spin this Iran thing. You've already talked about it a lot. But um, I was watching that stupid show for some reason that John Oliver's on. He's he, Well, he's an idiot. But he was just, All right. I don't want to talk about this junk. No offense. I really don't care. Let's go to Paul. Again, no offense. New York, New York, the great WABC. Go ahead. I'm in upstate, Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. (laughs) Uh, Science cannot prove a thing. All it can do is gather the evidence to support a hypothesis, which eventually becomes a theory. It's called evolutionary theory. It's not proven. Yeah, this is kind of Berlinski's point, isn't it? Yeah. But... (laughs) The same idea. But, and they'll keep pointing we, to chimpanzees. Operate, keep... Go ahead. It, the theory explains the past, and it predicts the future. But a global warming is, is a half-baked hypothesis. But the problem is the theory really doesn't explain the past. Well, a theory does. It tries to explain the past. To explain the past, yes. Some do, some don't. But but it's but it's interesting to me because one of the areas where science really falls flat, and I'm not I'm not pushing religion. I'm saying one of the areas science really falls flat is in evolution. Oh, I I agree, I agree, and 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 I went through school at the time when evolution was a central dogma of biological thought. All right, you, every, everything we learned about with genetics, but molecular biology, organic chemistry, it was explained through. All right, my friend, got to run. Excellent call. A lot of excellent calls tonight. Thank you. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless you all. Take care.